Thank you for sharing like this process of like how to add on product-led sales. Have you seen any like big mistakes? I know you talked about like overcomplicating. Is that like a big mistake you see when people are trying to add product-led sales or are there other common mistakes that people should avoid when they're thinking about adding on sales to their product-led growth motion? Yeah, it's a great question. The biggest mistake I see is, okay, we're ready to hire a sales team and then you hire traditional enterprise sales rep and do a traditional enterprise sales process rather than sticking to that product-led sales motion. And what happens is you create two very different, disjointed, separate processes that are not connected, which truly can kill the PLG section of your business. And then you'll be just spending too much time and expensive sales reps' times running after deals, which is inefficient. Those deals might not even be qualified. They might not know what your product is. So it's inefficient. It's costly. You're not going to accelerate ARR. You would have been better off just sticking with your self-serve motion. So how to avoid this mistake is when you hire sales reps, they might be traditional enterprise sales reps. You want to make sure that they are not going after any cold deals. They should not just be calling up people, sending cold emails saying, hey, have you heard of my product? You should really start out by mining that those PQLs, mining your self-serve user base to inform who to be reaching out to and being very customer-centric and personalized and customized with your outreach. Great response. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah. <laughs> there is a question from my account. Do you just want to ask it directly? Or I mean, the question is, what job would you use to attract such a person? That's a great question. Like, well, Yeah, job? we're trying to hire somebody like that. And we know that it's going to be a salesperson, but for PLG, and we want to make that clear. But we want to basically set expectations with this potential candidate so they, that they know it's somewhat similar to a sales job. But then again, there are differences. So I just wondered, what would you call such a person? What's the job title that would resonate with a candidate? That would be great. It's a great question, Michaela. And the answer is, unfortunately, it depends. I've seen this role be called sales assist, product specialist, customer engagement, customer experience, customer advocate, even just called sales itself. So what I would do is lay out everything that you think is an important role for this or important characteristics for this person. In my head, it'd be things like they're a little bit of a generalist. They might have experience in sales or customer success. They have that you know customer-facing experience, but also deeply understand a product. And they can be flexible and they can iterate over time. And then I would craft a JD around that. And regardless of what you're naming that role, I would be targeting folks that you think can fit that kind of JD. And so what I mean by that is, for example, at Confluent, which is more of a dev tool, more technical piece, they were looking at very technical SDRs to fill this role. So they wanted to find someone who even came from coding experience and could deeply understand the technical parts of a product. And then they could teach them the customer facing. But then there's others, for example, at maybe Airtable, which is more productivity tool, less technical, where they had more, they would hire from more experienced salespeople and then train them more on how to be really knowledgeable on the product and how to add value rather than the traditional sales model. So, I mean, Michaela, what is Preservica? Yeah, we are a preservation company, as the name says. We preserve files assets that companies or institutions have in the long term. So over long periods of time to ensure 
that they are usable in 150 years. So think of obsolete file formats such as WordPerfect, make sure in 150 years I can still read that document. It's a WordPerfect file. Amazing. And what is your main goal for hiring a salesperson? Is it to mine PQLs and understand and surface those? Or is it to go run after these deals and make sure they're on they're paying for the product rather than just getting it for free? No, I did give an internal presentation based on Romley's piece on sales-assisted onboarding and said that was really important to have somebody who essentially helps the users through the first aha moments and getting them to adoption and beyond a consultative sales approach. So basically adding value because, you know, nobody has the time to sit there, maybe contact a customer who's stuck and just do a demo with them. So we really need somebody who's rather proactive, mm-hmm. somebody who helps us refine our idea of PQLs and then basically qualifies them as you've shown these are the PQLs that can become SQLs. And this is what I want to do. This is the messages that I'm going to send out, you know, when they've reached that stage. And just have a strategy that makes sense. Mm-hmm. How to be helpful, but not annoying. <laughs> yeah, exactly. No, it sounds like you're definitely on the exact right track. What I've heard resonate most is a customer advocate because that resonates for both... <laughs> Some people hate it. Some people love the term, but customer advocate really for customers feels like you're helping them. And then for the people that you want to hire, it sounds like maybe a little sexier than a sales assist role. But (laughs) that's what I've heard resonate the most. I think I've seen sales assist the most though, in terms of quantity. Sandy, sorry to keep bothering you, but maybe we can post our article on sales assist because we have some example JDs there that would help you. Super. Yeah. Thank you so much. Yeah. Yeah, I was just going to ask a sample JD, but it seems like Sandy's going to post that up as well. Some kind of template. Yeah. I guess I want to follow that thought process. Like the JD's up, like what kind of interview questions would you ask that kind of role? Like to just like weed out like um, something that would be more fit for product-led sales. Maybe what are other things you would look for in the qualification process of hiring somebody who would be a good fit for that? Yeah. So my favorite part, which Michaela just hinted at, is the fact that they need to be consultative. So they need to be educating and guiding rather than aggressively selling. So my favorite thing to do in interviews is actually have kind of a mock case study of what a real life example is. So if you can say, you know, this is our product, a user has been on the product, they invited a bunch of their coworkers, they hit this threshold what do you do? And the wrong answer to me is if an interviewee says, you know, we need to get them from from $1,000 a month to 10 million ARR. And we need to just aggressively sell the product and just figure out who the stakeholders are and just go, go, go. The right answer to me is let's send really personalized nudges. Hey, how's it going? Do you need help? I saw you were doing XYZ in the product. Congrats for meeting this threshold. Do you want to try this? no need to talk to me, continue to self-serve. Or if you want to talk to me, here's my Calendly, I'm always available. And so to summarize that, I'd be looking for someone who can educate and be kind of guide users versus the aggressive quote-unquote sales rep. How I would test that is through real-life examples of working through for your specific company, this is what we see, tell me how you would do it. 
I guess the opposite to that is, are there red flags that you would watch out for, like being too aggressive? Like what are some red flags that you've seen that might not be a good fit for the product that sales motion? Yeah. So product that sales, again, fairly new in some sense. And so most of the world is more familiar with enterprise sales of the, okay, here's my target account list. I'm going to run after them, do some ABM. I'm going to cold call a bunch of people, et cetera. I think the biggest concern to me is if they're not willing to be kind of re-educated into this new motion. And they're not willing, as Sandy said, to experiment and try new things. So most sales reps have this kind of okay, we're just going to do our way of selling. We know it works if they're coming from traditional enterprise because it is a little bit of a cookie cutter process. It's been around for so long. In this PLS world, it's a mindset shift. It's a cultural shift of, okay, I need to retrain my brain into thinking I'm no longer trying to go after the biggest deals. I'm no longer cold calling a million people. I'm only focused on this very targeted specific list. And I'm going to be very customized with my outreach and I'm helping not selling. And through that process, A, being able to retrain your brain and willing to learn and then be experimenting with new processes. So not everything's going to work. Like we just said, nothing in the process of PLS or PQLs is, you know, a one size fits all solution. Every company is going to have to continue to experiment. And I actually really liked what Michaela said. She wants the sales assist team to be thinking through what those PQLs are because they're on the front line. They're going to be trying to figure out not just, okay, I'm really only focused on sales. I'm also focused on bettering the company and figuring out what better PQLs are and how to implement that across my organization. So you need someone who's going to get in there, willing to experiment, willing to learn, willing to you know iterate with the company as they move forward, rather than the red flag would be someone saying, I'm going to take my cookie cutter process from my last company and implement it here. Makes a ton of sense. Thanks for sharing that as well. Now, I've been asked before, and it's it always stumped me around, maybe because I'm not the last person, around compensation. Like, How would you compensate now in this world where... Would it be the same kind of structure in the PLS world versus like the enterprise world? Or is there like now more incentive, like expansion stuff, like getting stuff there? It's a really good question. I've talked to so many people. The answer is people are still figuring it out, but there's one example I really like. So when you think about compensation, it all comes down to incentives, right? How do you incentivize salespeople to only run after the right deals and the best deals? And so what can happen in a PLG world is sales reps know there's a bunch of low-hanging fruit, right? Because there's a bunch of smaller deals that some users are on the product. We can get them from going from 100K a month to 500K a month. And you know I'll be compensated on that and boom, I'll hit my quota. But that's not good for the business, right? The business, you want to be targeting the bigger deals. Otherwise, you could leave that in self-serve. They could have probably from 100K to 500K done that through the self-serve process. So all comes down to aligning the sales reps incentives with the business incentives. One model I really liked was actually Confluence where they really focused on how do we separate the self-serve business from the sales business. So sales are only running after deals that have potential to be a big customer and let the self-serve self-serve. Don't get in their way. And how they did this is they took a number of say it was... 5,000 in ARR, where they said sales reps will only be compensated on this deal if it reaches over $5,000 in ARR. And so what that does is sales reps have to use their judgment to say, do I think this deal will get above 5K? Okay, I should run after it. And that's, will it get after 5K now? 
or in three years. So what happens is, you know, something like if Apple signs up for your product, that probably has potential to be a multi-million deal in multi-million dollar deal in a couple of years. So it's worth it for a sales rep to run after it, even if they won't make the 5K quota this quarter. But if it's a smaller company, hasn't been that engaged, sales rep shouldn't waste their time. Let it stick to the self-serve funnel. Does that answer your question? Yeah, it does. That was like the more concrete example I've heard so far. So thank you for actually sharing it. And like, hey, here's a good example. If they hit 5,000, it makes a ton of sense there. I want to talk about the other side here. A lot of the companies that we work with at ProductLed, some of them already have like a sales team in a traditional sales-led motion. And the idea of product-led growth and product-led scarce, scarce the traditional sales team, like, oh my goodness, what's going to happen there? Do you have any advice for those companies? Kind of scared. They're like, will we get our lunch eaten? And like, will we make less? Like, what are some suggestions you have for those kind of companies that are switching from a sales-led to a product-led and they already have a sales team in place? Yeah, it's funny. I love this question. So no, enterprise sales reps, you're not getting fired. It's still very important. My reaction to that is, so do you want superpowers or do not? So these enterprise sales reps are moving from a place of no data to data. We're literally serving up on a platter the best leads for them with PQLs in a product-led motion compared to wasting time running after cold deals. So enterprise sales... They're not going away. It's nothing scary. It's literally just a motion where you can have more data and be more valuable to your customers. That makes sense. Like they have more data, they can qualify. It's a deeper level of qualification. You share that in that matrix with the product engagement and then the more ways to really find the right kind of fit for yeah. waste less time on leads. I've heard some people be like, you know, they're enterprise sales reps added a B2B company saying, you know, I have figured out the secret. The secret is PQLs. And I'm going to only reach out to these leads, these users that have already been on the product. And it's just like a secret superpower. It's nothing more than that. I mean, it does take retraining, like I said, to be focusing your efforts there and helping not aggressively selling. But those are all good things. Like it's nothing to be scared of. Sellers aren't going away. If anything, we're pushing the opposite. We're saying sales is so important for PLG. Makes a ton of sense. I have a question to piggyback off that. Actually, my company is a, is a sales-led company that's moving to PLS, and so we're currently building out our tech stack so that we can equip our reps with those PQLs. But we don't really have them quite yet. Mm-hmm. In addition to that, I've got a UA team to try to like hack the front end of the funnel has eliminated a lot of the fields to sign up for a trial. So now we're having the situation where a product-led sales company with not a whole lot of data from our product totally yet, and we're we're working on it. And then not a lot of information on who our users are totally. Hmm. What kind of sales motions would you recommend for like the reps in that case, or just from a motivation perspective, just keep them hanging on until we develop those PQLs, I guess. So what... I'm assuming you have some sort of data available. Yeah, we we have some. Yeah. It's just not enough, I think. I would push on that. I think that you actually want to start simple. And you want to start with a few data points. So it's okay if you don't... I mean, I'd ask, like, do you have a data warehouse set up? Are you collecting information around even the users? As simple as who's signing up for your product, who's sharing your product, what features are they using? Yeah, so not totally on features, but at least our first aha moment, we have all those PQLs like figured out, which is great. 
But now we're kind of in a situation, I know you mentioned like to establish your PQLs, making sure the customer fits there first. Mm-hmm. And now that we have like way, so all we require for a trial is like name, email, password, right? So like, that's all we require. So we don't know org name or anything. So like trying to think about it from that perspective is that, and we, we have seen way more users in our... Yeah. Um, result, you, but, do you have a data enrichment tool yet? No. So that's part of the tech stack we're building out, right? Like I think is like some of that stuff that our team isn't totally equipped with. But. Yeah. So what I'd recommend for you is, and I'm happy to chat about this offline, Kyle, is are you using a CRM? Yes. Cool. So what I would recommend is first step, get your data enriched. So you can get that information around customer fit, industry, geography, company size. And we recommend enriching on the data warehouse data, but you can also do it on CRM. From there, you don't need to get too complicated write out, and we can do this workshop with you, write out the three bubbles I saw. You can do a Miro dashboard, a fig jam of customer fit, product usage, buying intent, and just do a brainstorm session of all the things that you think are important for your business. And so you'll come out with hopefully 20 to 50 stickies saying, these are the things that are important from a product usage, a customer fit, and a buying intent perspective. And then start testing. Don't get overly complicated on that we need to have the exact right answer because you're not going to know it the first three times. Start testing. You know, Let's try reaching yeah. out to every user that has this customer profile as well as done this thing in the product. Did that increase ARR? Did that decrease the sales cycle time? And continuously iterate that motion. Yeah, I guess in, until we get that data enrichment tool in place, I guess I'm wondering mm-hmm. about like current sales motions. Like, Would you recommend like just having the SDRs there... You're doing all the emails, reaching out, qualifying because you don't have a lot of that customer fit data yet. Like, I guess sales motions around for the sales team, I guess, in the meantime. You know? Yeah. I mean, I would start by looking at like reaching out to users that have hit a certain metric, but you might be at the point where you don't have enough data on them. So it is important to get the data up and running. But I would be pointing your SDRs to the lead, to the PQLs, or you might don't even have to call them PQLs yet if you're early enough. I would point them towards the users that are already on your product. And instead of using it as we have to have the perfect sales motion, I would use it as a learning experience. So when sales reps or SDRs or sales assists, whatever you want, get on the phone with those users already on the product, think about it more as how can I help and what can I learn from you to improve the sales motion in the future once I do have data. So things like, okay, you'll want to know what industry are you? What geography? What's your company size? What's your role? What are the stakeholders in your business? So then when you do get data later on, you're able to inform what, with anecdotal evidence, what a good PQL is. I know that seems like an unsatisfactory answer, but right now it seems like you're more in the learning stage and iterating and feedback loop of trying to understand what's good before actually implementing it. Yeah, totally. And that's good. For sure, I'm just trying to, you know, struggle with a transitioning team. And so, yeah, keeping them motivated and figuring out, yeah. Yeah, and I think, yeah, and that gets into a whole other thing of the shift in mindset to keep them motivated. Like the motivation for your sales team in PLS should be, we helped a user. It should not be, we closed a massive deal. But if you can shift that mindset, even if it's something small, like creating a Slack channel of customer wins... And putting that in there so you can start motivating towards that rather than we close a huge deal. Wow, let's all go out for dinner and celebrate. You should be celebrating when customers love your product. Actually, I have to hop off, but I might email you, Alexa. So Yeah, let's do it.
All right. Thank you, guys. Bye. Thanks for asking that question, Kyle. If there's any other questions, feel free to share it in the comments or unmute yourself while people are thinking about that and giving them a chance. One question I love asking is from any final advice you have for companies around product-led sales? Like if you can give one or two pieces of advice around product-led sales. And I know you talked a lot in the presentation as well as you were just talking a little bit about that mindset shift. But what would be the one or two pieces of advice you'd like to share to product-led companies or people who are moving to product-led growth motion? Yeah, it's a great question. The first would be experimentation. So a lot of people creating product-led sales, do your diligence. You're going to want to talk to other companies that did it. Call up your friends at bigger PLG companies like Dropbox and Atlassian, some smaller startups, figure out how they do it. But it's not a copy and paste thing. You need to take the lessons and then experiment with your own organization. So there's no one-size-fits-all solution between every product-led sales motion. Like I said, it's not a copy and paste thing like enterprise sales. So you're going to have to get into that experimental mindset of, okay, I know how others do it now, but let me see what's best for my business and continue to experiment what the team looks like and what the workflow looks like and what the PQLs look like. That would be my number one piece of advice. My second piece of advice would be just keep learning from your users. Like your job is to just learn, 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 soak up, become extremely empathetic to who your users are and focus more on getting feedback and learning versus closing deals, which is what I was just saying before. Like Dropbox has a great example when they implemented the sales assist team. Their sales assist team was really focused on feedback. And then ultimately that feedback led to changes in XYZ, which ultimately led to millions of more dollars. So don't be so focused on the near-term revenue or near-term close of a deal. Be focused on the future of your company and longer term, how to add value because that will ultimately get you to that better place. Love it. Thank you for sharing that. And just one final call, if people have any questions, once again, share in the chat, but like if people had more questions after this, can you share the best way to reach out to you or the team at Focus again? Email or even Twitter or LinkedIn, wherever you prefer. Yeah, I will. If you wanted to find out more about Focus as well, where can people see that? Yeah, so focus.com. My Twitter is at Alexa underscore Grable. And you can follow me on LinkedIn. Reach out to me there. Also, my I'll not put my email, but reach out. I'll answer Twitter DMs and LinkedIn DMs, I promise. Awesome. So I really appreciate it. Thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate you sharing all this knowledge. We'll be sharing this out on YouTube, on on Newsletter, and people who are here, we'll share out the recording right after as well. Take care, everyone. Amazing. Thank you for having me. And thank you all for the questions. It was so great being here. Take care, everyone. Have a good one.